from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Welcome in. I'm Brandon Marcello. I'm joined by Mark Murphy, editor of Inside the Auburn Tigers. He uh, was at the Auburn Board uh, of Trustees meeting Friday, which uh, had quite a bit of news come out of it when it comes to the foot long discussed, uh, at least behind closed doors, um, uh, football facility that, listen, Auburn needs, Auburn wants. And finally, on Friday, we heard uh, members of the board speak up publicly in a public forum at their meeting. Uh, turns out in a previous committee uh, meeting before the actual board met on Friday, they discussed the project and how they needed to get things going, kind of to take that first step forward. And uh, the committee chairman, Charles McCreary, urged Stephen Leith um, and that committee to start reviewing plans to form a review committee of their own and get things going. Um, and I'll read a quick uh quote here from McCrary to kind of set the stage here and then and, and we'll go to Mark here who was at the meeting and got a better feel for things but this is what McCrary said it's my sense of the board that everybody on the board agrees that we need to get that to build that building Mr. President I would recommend that you sir that you would put together a working group post haste or whoever you so decide so that we can focus and determine what's in that building what we want in the building and how much it's going to cost an idea of how much it's going to cost and then raise the money. We need to do this. We all agree. We need to do it. We need to raise the money and we need to get on with it so we could support Auburn, our Dean and our coach unquote. Mark, you were there. Um, this was something that I'm sure you heard about uh, during the week that was potentially going to happen. What were your uh, impressions when this uh, all started going down Friday morning? Yeah, it's pretty interesting to say the least. Uh, they invited guest now on up there. He spoke, briefly about the need for the project and i agree with you they certainly uh, need some upgrades to keep up with the joneses in the uh, facility wars in the sec and uh, you know charles mccreary is the guy who spoke up about it publicly and uh, you know i think he wanted to make it clear to auburn fans that uh, the football new facility is a priority the university and uh, they are going to be moving forward on it and uh, this is the way to go ahead and get that out there publicly you know for for a while now uh, alan green the athletics director has said that it's priority number one at least for him when it comes to uh, facility upgrades we all we all know there's other things coming down the pike that have already been approved or in the several stages whether it's softball baseball but football has really kind of been on the back burner since really the the uh, the uh, uh, the the wellness kitchen was built. Now it's about let's get a football facility going here. And and a week ago, actually a week to the day before this board of trustees meeting, I chased down literally chased down Stephen Leith to to discuss the football facility and some other things. And in that brief period of time, and he was making it very clear to me that hey, we, this is not the football facility is not on the agenda. We're not going to discuss it in any form. We're in the due diligence process is how he talked about it and that the earliest uh, anything would be discussed at the Board of Trustees meeting would, would come into September 
something obviously changed there. And listen, when there's several committees um, uh, that make up the board of trustees, whether it's facilities committees and all this stuff, obviously they all decided, hey, let's get all on the same page. Let's make it clear to the president and to the public, for that matter, that, listen, um, we know Alan Green has said, hey, this is the number one thing on Auburn athletics side of what they need to do. But from a university side, this needs to be a priority as well. I think that message was delivered loud and clear on Friday. How, how did President Leith react to this? What was kind of the mood in the room as well as this was all being uh, uh, discussed and, and said in a public forum? And also when Gus Malzahn steps up and uh, says that uh, pretty much, you know, he didn't say it verbatim, but he was pretty much saying, hey, listen, this isn't about just me. It's about the future of the program. Right. The, uh, yeah, you know, I think, you know, basically what's happening here is um, the priority for the football building is just being moved up in the big university picture of building projects. There's a bunch of projects scheduled in the five-year plan. I think there's close to a billion dollars worth of construction that needs to be done. And, uh, you know, I think one of the big things uh, the Board of Trustees is wanting all the department heads, including the athletic director, Alan Green, is, you know, to come to them with plans for having, uh, you know, at least part of the funds raised for these projects. There's a, a lot of money involved. And you know, I'd say athletics has a big advantage because of the extreme interest, uh, particularly in football. And, you know, they've been raising money for this thing for a while now, and I think they're going to continue raising it. And uh, I think one of the reasons, you know, Charles McCreary made the public statement that he did is probably put a little wind behind the sails of the folks from Tigers Unlimited who are going out Certainly, there yeah. and talking to people about, uh, you know, how important this is for the big picture. And you know, Gus Malzahn was there to uh, to say, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, we do need this for the future of the program. You know, as you mentioned, the fundraising uh, has been going on uh, really almost since day one of, of Alan Green arriving on campus. It's been long discussed. Um, my understanding, and I, and I read your report as well, is that, you know, they've reached a point where they can start moving forward, at least based off of the criteria that uh, I was told that was kind of laid out by the president of the university, of uh, Stephen Leith, that, hey, Let's try to raise about 50% of the estimated funds of what this project might look like. And uh, then we'll move forward with presenting it to the board of trustees and doing all that. And this being the first step to maybe get an extra oomph in that, in that fundraising possibilities that uh, my understanding for about a month now is that they've, they're close to, or they've already surpassed that 50% mark, so to speak of about $30 million. There's some big names that have been involved with it. Um, I believe that some of those names will start becoming public when they want to make them become public. But I think uh, that you'll hear some of these names and go, wow. Um, but is that your understanding? And how crucial do you think that has been as, to getting to this point where they finally, uh, the Board of Trustees maybe felt comfortable to say, hey, let's do this, and then it kind of ramp up things a little bit more? Yeah, I think you're right on target there, Brandon. Uh, uh, I think they're pretty close um, to, uh, you know, getting the money they need to get this project started. And, uh, you know, you never know for sure how much it's going to cost to bid one of these things out uh, because they're pretty complex and uh, very large and, you know, depends on what other 
big projects are being bid at the same time and what general contractors who do these type of things are available. And sometimes they uh, cost a lot more than, you know, anticipated. And sometimes they come in way, way under budget. But, uh, you know, I would say this whole thing is probably going to end up costing 60 to $80 million if they're really going to do state of the art, which is what I expect to happen in this situation. Yeah, you speak of state of the art, and with some people that are involved with it, I think that that, that is definitely going to be the case no matter the price tag on this because they're going to get a lot of input from in the in the design phase from people that aren't necessarily you would think in a construction world of you know uh, of a big big construction firm that goes around the SEC or other programs builds these things and helps design with it. I think you're going to get some input from some higher tier folks. Dare I say, Tim Cook, uh, the Apple CEO. But uh, all that aside, as you said, uh, it's, it's going to cost a pretty penny. But I think what helps Auburn, and, and especially when they present their case to the board of trustees, which obviously seems to be 100% behind this right now. And as they raise the funds is that there, there's been a history. If you go back and look, at least with the major products projects, excuse me, over the last 10 years or so, Auburn's done a pretty good job of coming under budget on all of their major construction projects, which I'm going to tell you is pretty rare these days, particularly in the sec, because when they start constructing and they go, they look at the budget and go, Oh, we got like $3 million. Maybe we could work with here. And they start adding things during the, during the process. All of a sudden they come in over budget a little bit, but even dating back to Auburn arena, they came under budget a little bit. Um, yeah, that came way under budget. Isn't that incredible to, to you that they've been able to do this pretty consistently? Yeah. You know, I think back when they built Auburn arena, the economy wasn't quite hopping like it is right now, and there probably wasn't as much um, pressure on the big general contractors uh, as, as far as, uh, so they had a lot of people bidding on that thing. So that's why they ended up getting a good deal. Uh, you know, right now, you know, I'm certainly not an expert on national level building projects and general contractors, but, uh, um, you know, I think, you know, there's a pretty good chance that, they should be able to get what they want within a reasonable budget. And, uh, uh, you know, right now, I think the facilities, I think the indoor facility is fine. I think the, um, certainly the, uh, the practice fields are in really good shape and uh, they got the space to put it uh, there right next to um, um, the fields. So they've been talking about this for years if they end up, definitely putting it there the old hustle track you couldn't find a much better place yeah, they no got doubt. the road there they got to figure out what to do whether to you know bridge over it or just close that road off like they closed other roads off on campus i don't know what they're going to do there but right. just make a little bridge over the creek there and over the road and um it'll be really close to the practice field so without having to do anything with that and then you take the the old was currently the football complex that was built. And I think it was finished in 1989 and then move office people who were over in the, uh, the old Memorial Coliseum, which has been scheduled to be demolished for a while. But I mean, it's, that's been on hold and there's a lot of people still using that building. That thing so, will still, uh, Mark, that thing will still be standing after the nuclear war of 21, 28. 
<laughs> I told one of them that what they need to do is when they're ready to take it down is um, do a lottery and let people like pay $5 for a chance to hit the explosion button and implode <laughs> the building like they do. The big problem with that place is it is loaded with asbestos. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's one of the reasons they decided not to remodel when it was time to meet remodel because it was going to cost a untold amount of money to take care of all that. Um, and then you still wouldn't have uh, nearly as nice a facility as they ended up building over at Auburn Arena. Yeah, it, that's something that will cost millions of dollars to remove that asbestos before they even get to the point of you know imploding it and then just carrying all that away and then figuring out what to do with that with that spot. I know, I mean, that's been long been discussed. My, my understanding from talking to people in the athletics department, that'll be something that is ultimately decided uh, by the university folks. Um, it might not necessarily yeah, be. Yeah, a lot of people have their eyes on that land. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that's been talked about uh, putting in there is an earth burn parking lot and then a some passive space, you know, put picnic tables there, some grass right, right. and some trees, because, you know, people want to keep the general theme of the campus and not turn it into a concrete jungle. So, uh, uh, you know, I think that's and that part of, and that, yeah, that part it. of campus has become a concrete jungle. Whereas on the other side, you've got some green space. They've got to do something there because otherwise it's just going to be, another big parking lot or maybe a parking deck or something. Cause I'm sure people will be like, I oh, put a parking deck there and make some money. But I, I don't think that's something that uh, athletics wants near their facilities or the university necessarily wants to do completely. But that's a lot of stuff that's going to be way down the road. It'll be interesting to see when that, when that's all done, because I mean, but, but it won't happen until, as you said, when, when they build this football facility, what it's going to do is it's going to be a domino effect. It's going to allow people to move out of that building who are or who have offices there. They're going to move into the uh, the Auburn Athletics Complex that's currently up right now, as you said, that was constructed in 1989. And then once they get the people out of there, then you got to then you get to maybe try to figure out because there's classes that are held in that building still as well. Got to figure out where to put some of those classes and all that stuff. And then, and then you start discussing when to tear that thing down and what to do with it. Um, and, and when, and by the way, when it comes to uh, the new football facility, I, I remember from covering a former uh, beat of mine that they were building a football facility. There are so many strange rules about these football facilities as far as logistics, and not necessarily the building of it, but. For example, did you know that it is against NCAA rules for the coach's office to have a door that leads immediately uh, directly to the practice field? They cannot have that a door. That is strange. No, I didn't know that It's one. weird. It's weird. Um, I covered Mississippi State, and they were like, that was a part of the thing. Uh, the coach would have a balcony overseeing the, the football field, which is fine, the, the practice field. And he also wanted a door out of his office so he can get to the field from there. Um, they wouldn't allow that. So he had to walk down the hallway six feet to a door to go to the practice field. Isn't that silly? It's just little things like that that will pop up during the design phase and other things they'll figure out. Like, for example, we're talking about maybe you build a bridge over over the road there or do something there. Is is that something that they necessarily allow? We I don't I don't quite know. Um, but there's just people always say, "Hey, just build the thing." But there are so many things that go into it that you don't necessarily start finding out as a 
as a school president or an athletics director or someone in charge of the project until you actually start going into the nitty-gritty of the fine details. And that's why, um, based off what I've been told, you know, the, the, the conservative estimate, I should say, is one year for design phase and then a year for construction. And it would be done in two years once the things start getting moving. But it, there's a reason why it takes so long in the design phase because there's all these little, little bitty pieces they've got to get through and make sure that they don't, you know, break certain violations, whether it's NCAA stuff or building guidelines, whether it's from the campus point of view or from the guidelines from the city of Auburn itself. Um, there's just a lot of little little things you have to deal with. And when you're right, uh, you have to make it accessible, ADA, and uh, who knows, they might even have to put baby changing stations in like they have in the press box. That's true. We got we have a baby changing station in the men's bathroom in the in the press box. Uh, I don't know if that'll ever be used, other than for maybe if the line gets long enough, we someone flops it down to take a seat. And for the long wait, uh, but it's 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 interesting how there, there's just little things you have to do. Uh, can you imagine uh, the coach's office, Gus Malzahn's office, uh, the bathroom being required to have a d- changing station in there? Maybe when he's got the the grandbabies over or something, he, that'll work out perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, Mark, I want to talk to you real quickly. It's been kind of a a big week recruiting all across the board, football, basketball, but basketball's had a couple of, uh, you know, you know, people that really committed to Auburn and late and the most recent one was Justin Powell, number one player out of the state of Kentucky. Tell us a little bit about him. I know you got to talk to him a little bit Friday after he committed to the Tigers. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, about six, five and a half, got a lot of quickness. Um, he's got an all around game. He, played point guard in the past. He's really a two guard now, but he can also play small forward. He can finish with his right hand or left hand near the basket. He's a really good three point shooter. He's having a really good uh, off season or whatever you call the, the AAU season, um, sh- shooting the ball and uh, number one ranked uh, prospect in 24 seven in the state of Kentucky uh, for the 2020 class. Xavier, uh, Ohio State were two of the teams that were really in there on in Georgia Tech also. And, uh, I mean, he, for me, Randy reminds me of uh, a Bruce Pearl recruit in that he can play more than one position. He can play fast. Um, you know, he's probably better playing fast. And, uh, you know, I think he's the first commitment for 2020. I think he's a really good one. And, uh, and they got... Deshaun Ruffin from over at Callaway High School in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, number one prospect in that state for the 2021 class. And he made the USA Today All-Mississippi team this past year as a sophomore, which is pretty impressive, one of the top five guys. And uh, he's a big-time scorer. I got to see him at a camp uh, between his freshman and sophomore years. And he really impressed me. He's not a big guy. He's 5'9", he'll probably get a little bit bigger, but he's not going to be a big guy. And I think the reason Auburn was able to get him is because he saw how well Jared Harper fit in Auburn's offensive system. And, uh, you know, he's not – he's a little bit smaller than Jared is right now, but so he's got a chance to grow a bit. But, well, he's certainly got offensive skills like Jared. Get that quickness, man. I mean, uh, Bruce Pearl loves that quickness of the point guard position, as we've seen with Jared Harper, Javon McCormick uh, going into this upcoming season and uh, in the future. And then 
obviously uh, when it comes to this 22, 2020, excuse me, recruiting class, um, it's definitely setting up the possibility, Mark, of it potentially being on paper the best basketball recruiting class in the modern era. And when I say modern era, I mean the internet era when we started, you know, putting stars to things. You know, with, with um, you know, winning the SEC regular season title and following that up with the SEC uh, conference championship up in Nashville, and then making the run to the Final Four um, certainly has really increased the profile of the program. There's something, you know, I was talking to some folks about earlier today. Uh, I think you might agree with this, too, is that the way they lost to that game Virginia probably got them as much attention as anything that happened this past year and how Bruce Pearl handled it um, probably endeared him to a lot of people out there. They won some respect for that because, you know, yeah, it was really tough. And, you know, they could have jumped up and down, screamed and yelled and complained a lot, but they didn't do a whole lot of that. Uh, they basically said, you know, we had plenty of chances to win the game earlier and Virginia played well and, and did the things to do to win the game. And, uh, but that that got people's attention out there in the college basketball world. Particularly uh, parents, when you speak to them uh, about Bruce Pearl and, um, you know, Bruce, Bruce, like a lot, some coaches, but I think more so with Bruce, Bruce does a great job of identifying talent really early because you always hear about these kids, whether it's been, you know, Jared Harper in the past, or Bryce Brown or, um, uh, Sharif Cooper, uh, a five-star guard right now who hasn't committed to anybody, or or even Walker Kessler, a Georgia legacy who's a five-star center who is considering Auburn, but also considering a lot of Blue Bloods and Georgia where his father and uncle played. Um, Bruce Pearl was the first person to offer them scholarships. I think that sticks with them. And then when you see what they did this past season, winning championships, yeah, that, that helps. But with the way they handled it, um, I think it ref- also reflects – it kind of confirms to them how he treats them on a personal level. Cause a lot of times, listen, coaches are different on the recruiting trail to players than they are in the locker room or in public or whatever. And Bruce Pearl's Bruce Pearl is probably the like, most honest, endearing, tell it like it is coach. You'll see out there, uh, whether it's in private or, uh, on the basketball court himself, he's very emotional and, uh, that comes through. And I think that, you know, listen, when he first came to Auburn, he had to go after these kids early to build them up so two or three years down the road, like a Jared Harper or whatever, he could get on campus. And now he's at a point where he continues to do that, but now it's guys that are five-star, five-star, five-star. And it's going to be interesting to see if he's, uh, one, able to land any of them. I think he will. But, two, how many of them will he land, um, I think is probably the better question right now because he – uh I think he certainly has Auburn in a position where they have never been, not necessarily just because of what they've won and the banners they're going to put up, but in a position of what they're going to do foundation-wise for the future of the program and bringing players in. Because you could you could see a time when, even with this 2020 class, Mark, you, you might agree with me, maybe not, where you could bring in guys to where it's almost – everybody talks about one-and-dones with Kentucky, but – you bring in guys to where you are immediately a top tier team just based off of the freshmen you bring in, mixing it in with some, some veterans. And that hasn't necessarily been the case really uh, ever 
in Auburn history, and Brees Pearl has that, him them in that position because of everything he's done. Yeah, I agree. It's really a golden era for Auburn basketball right now. The interest is very high. Home court advantage is great. Um, you know, a lot of prospects are interested. And, uh, I, you know, just thinking back about it, trying to remember how many five-star recruits actually came to visit Auburn when Tony Barbie was head coach. And, well, I'm not sure there were any, maybe one or two. But <laughs> He may um, have ran into more five-stars on the couple. golf course. <laughs> but uh yeah you're right and you know if you get a, a nice combination you get a couple guys that maybe have the ambition to be one and done and blend them in with some guys with some experience who've been around for a while and are older and more mature um and you might have something again another team that could challenge for the sec championship and if, if the sec is good as it is now if you could challenge for the sec championship you should be able to make a run in the ncaa tournament Guys, it's June, and we our, our top topics until this Board of Trustees meeting was is basketball. I mean, basketball has been killing it, the recruiting trail, and obviously that Final Four run. Uh, football making some waves now with some progress with the football facility. And the one thing we didn't talk about, and, and I'm afraid to talk about it because I'm wondering if they're going to get any games into it, is, uh, is baseball. There's some bad weather moving in through North Carolina where our Jason Caldwell is covering the super regional between Auburn and North Carolina. Tentatively, they're started to schedule Saturday, but some bad weather moving. It's going to be interesting to see. Make sure you follow Jason's work on Twitter, ITATJason, but also at auburn.247sports.com for full coverage as he's on site covering that. Mark, thanks for joining us uh, for what has been really a, a busy first week in June. Yeah, a lot of activity for this time of year, Brandon. Never, it's never quiet at Auburn, never. That is true. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.